0: Sing with joy to the God of our strength, and rejoice with me, for this is the day that the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. Heavenly God, we come and thank you for this opportunity to gather. We pray together that you might open our hearts anew. You might open our minds to hear and to listen and receive that we might encounter you again for the first time. It is in the name of your savior, our best friend, that we pray and together we all say amen. This morning, I invite you to focus in with me on the topic or the theme or the thought and perhaps the charge to live fully. Say that with me. Live Live fully. Not convincing. (laughs) Let's try that again. Live Live fully. fully. And that topic theme is inspired by our psalm, which was so beautifully sung this morning. Psalm 81. If you ever want to feel like you can sing, sing in front of the choir. (laughs) Psalm 81 verses 8 through 10. says, Hear, O my people, while I admonish you, O Israel, if you would but listen to me. There shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God, for I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open wide your mouth, and I will fill it. Live fully. Today's text, from the book of psalms comes from a collection of 150 lyric poems a lyric poem is a poem that expresses the writer's emotions and religious lyric poetry reflects the inner feelings of the writer whose soul is stirred by the thoughts of god the book of psalms is thus inspired responses to various individuals interaction and connection with God's revelation and God's self. The Psalms were composed over a span of about a thousand years and the earliest one of record was written by Moses and that's Psalm 90 in the 15th century BC. Other writers of the Psalms include David, Asaph, Korah, Solomon, Heman, and Ethan. And numerous unnamed authors. While it is hard to categorize all 150 psalms, we can try to describe them by themes. There are psalms of praise that proclaim the majesty of God our creator, like Psalm 150, that says praise the Lord, praise God in the sanctuary, praise God in his mighty heavens, praise him for his acts of power. Praise God for God's surpassing greatness. There are psalms that speak of God's power, that God is all-powerful. God is sovereign over every situation and circumstance. God is powerful and able to protect us from harm, like the words of Psalm 91, where it says, if you say that the Lord is your refuge and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent, for God will command God's angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. That's comforting. There are historical psalms. Some scholars have cataloged more than 20 historical or national psalms that recount the history of God and God's people and recall the lessons to be learned from that history. There are psalms of penitence. Some these psalms reflect upon the holiness of God and by way of contrast, the sinfulness of humankind. There are imprecatory psalms. An imprecation is a prayer for the defeat and or destruction of one's enemies. Several of those psalms are strongly written and many by David. I sum that up as David just saying, God, get them. There are messianic psalms, psalms that describe truths about our Messiah, that he is both divine and human, that he would one day be betrayed, he would suffer death, but he would rise again from the grave and ascend into heaven where he serves as our king and our priest. There are ceremonial psalms, and in these psalms, we're designed to accommodate certain elements of Jewish worship, Psalm 30, for instance, was composed for the dedication of the temple site. The Sabbath day is celebrated in Psalm 90. And then there are these intimate psalms. Psalms that talk about the origin and the nature of man and woman and our relationship to God. For example, the dignity of humankind and God's intentional concern for us. Is underscored in Psalm eight. It's one of my favorites, and it says, "When I consider the work of your hev- when I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you, O oh God, have set in place, who are we that you are mindful of us? This great God who sits high is mindful of us." Today's Psalm, Psalm eighty-one is a mix. It's a ceremonial psalm, it's a historical psalm, and it's a psalm of penitence, probably written to be used during the Feast of Tabernacles. The holidays, the celebrations, were times for the Israelites to remember the great miracles that God performed on their behalf. And in the retelling of God's great commitment to God's people, there was great celebration and worship of God and God's goodness toward them. That's why the Psalm begins with the charge to sing aloud to the God of our strength, shout for joy to the God of Jacob. When read prayerfully, Psalms can not only enrich our understanding of the history of God and God's people, but they in the here and now can enrich and expand our understanding of God and ourselves in relation to our great God. Today's psalm teaches us how to relate to God and how to position ourselves in relationship with God. Our psalm today teaches us how basically to get in right position to receive all that God has for us so that we might live fully. Understand that when I say position, I don't mean just your physical location. We're to love the Lord our God with all of our bodies, physical location, but also all of our minds and our souls, our mental, spiritual, and emotional location. So it's not just about your longitude and your latitude, but it's also about your attitude, your mindset, your soul set your spiritual locale, and your emotional station. You can be in the right place at the right time, but not truly in the right place. You can be in church, but have a closed mind, a bad attitude. You can be full of unforgiveness and fear, and then miss worship, miss the word, and miss God altogether. Nelson Mandela puts it very well when he says after being imprisoned for 27 years, he says, as I walked out of the door of that prison toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew that if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, even though out of the physical prison, I would still be in prison. Today's text shows us how to position ourselves to live fully in God and receive all that God has for us. In verse 10 of Psalm 81, he says, open wide your mouth and I will fill it. In this verse, the same God who brought the Israelites out of slavery, the same God who performed miracle after miracle, turned Moses' staff into a snake and then back to a stick, the same God who rained down manna from heaven that they may have for them their daily bread, this same God who brought the Israelites through the wilderness into the promised land over dry ground of a red sea, the same God now says to them, open wide your mouths and I will fill it. This verse brings forth the illusion of a baby bird. Can you see it? A baby bird in the nest, head back, mouth wide open with great eagerness and expectation that its mother or father bird would fill them with nourishment so that they could grow and live abundantly and fly from the nest. It's the image of the baby bird, the one who completely trusts and surrenders to their parent with expectation that their parent means them nothing but good, That analogy, that visual, that illusion is a visual of how we should consider positioning ourselves before our God so that we too might live fully. This open-mouthed imagery can provide us with an analogy of how to position ourselves physically and spiritually to live this life that God has promised us Do you live with an open mouth desire, with eager expectation for God to fill you with his power, with God's love, God's joy, God's strength in your weariness to live fully? The Bible tells us in the book of John that Jesus came that we might have life and have it in abundance. This abundance is obviously not limited to physical riches and material things and money and bank accounts, but it includes the fruits of the spirit, the priceless gifts of God, of joy unspeakable, of a peace that surpasses all understanding, of an indwelling that springs forth like a fountain that will never run dry. But I wonder, if you're living, if I'm living an abundant life to the full till it overflows. And if not, why not? When we serve a God who promises to fill and overflow our lives, why are we settling for less than? Think back perhaps to days when you felt more free, when you were younger, when you felt perhaps more vibrant With the world ahead of you, what did you dream? What did you hope for? Why have those dreams and visions and horizons faded? Has life happened? Have your dreams dried up like a raisin in the sun? Well, I invite you this morning, just for a few moments, to lean into this word and to open your mouth wide once again, to dream again, to get in position for God to fill you and your life so that you might live fully. So how do we do that? Well, let's tune into the psalm just a little bit and hear what the psalmist says. Think about the imagery of the bird waiting with mouth wide open in vulnerable position For the parent, the mother, the father bird to fill it. That is a visual of what it looks like to trust. So the first step toward getting in position is to trust in the Lord. Now I know that sounds simple. It's written on dollar bills, bumper stickers, tags of our cars. But listen in and think about what it could look like to trust God. In order to do that, we have to engage our faith. You know, it's somewhere back in your back pocket. Pull that faith card out. And engaging our faith, we have to work to overcome our fear and overcome past heartaches and overcome betrayals and loss and push past the things which have caused us to cower in life rather than stretch forth. Trusting in God requires us to stop holding on to something that is familiar or that you can control so that you can stretch forth in faith to one whom you can't see and whom you can't control. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we must not only trust God, but we must evidence that trust by doing what God has told us to do. Open wide our mouths Be open to new experiences, open to new relationships, open to new opportunities, open to walking into new and unfamiliar territory and neighborhoods and places and jobs and careers. Be open to new challenges. Trusting God becomes easier when we reflect back on all that God has done. That's why when we celebrate The moment of communion we say that we do so in remembrance of him. It reminds us of our why. The psalmist retells of the triumph of God over their oppressors, how God brought them out of Egypt. Their trust in God is built on a foundation and history of seeing God work on their behalf. Their trust in God is much like that of the baby bird who trusts their mother who brought food before So the mother and their father will bring food again. Has God done anything for you? As the songwriter says, when I look back over my life and I think things over, I can truly say that I've been blessed. I haven't had it exactly the way I've wanted it. I didn't get the blessing exactly when I wanted it because then that would be me in control and not God. But has God done something for you? Has God saved you? Has has God forgiven you? Has God given you another chance and another chance? And just, Lord, if you do it for me, just this one more time chance? God is worthy of our trust. For the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want. Next, after we get into our position of trusting God again, The psalm also reminds us that we are not to worship other gods, but we are to worship the Lord. We must examine what we worship in order to get into the position to worship our God. Worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. Breaking that down some, worship is a spiritual discipline that prioritizes God. And that priority priority is then lived out and walked out in a lifestyle that focuses upon God. Worship in its simplest form is where you give your attention and your thought to on a regular basis. So what is that thing that you're worrying about all the time? That's what you're worshiping. What is the thing that you turn to by default When something challenging comes your way, is it fret, is it worry, is it fear, is it cowering? That is what you're worshiping. This morning, I wanna invite you to turn your worship from those distractions back to the God who is sure, who is a promise keeper, and who always comes through. Stop giving energy to worry and to fret. Stop giving your energy to those things which take you down pathways away from God. As Jeremiah says in our Old Testament reading today, he says, What wrong did your ancestors find in that they went far from God, went after worthless, worthless things, and became worthless themselves? We become what we worship. The psalmist in one, Psalm 115 says, They built idols out of silver and gold that had eyes but could not see and ears but could not hear, had mouths but could not speak. And those that worshiped them became just like them. As we turn our worship to God, we turn our worship to life, to living, to being all that God would have us to be. Lord, give us the power to walk away when other gods want to take your place. As we worship God, we realize that although things might feel hopeless in God, there is yet hope. Although things may feel dark in God, there is light for our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. An open, wide mouth trusts God, worships God. And finally in that moment and vision of surrender to God, the psalmist gives us one last tip on how to get in position to live fully. And that tip is, listen to the Lord. A baby bird when first born can't see, but the baby bird can hear and sense when mama bird and papa bird are near. There are times in life when we won't be able to see clearly. In this moment of social media, media influencers, noise upon noise, it is hard sometimes to hear and to listen. But I encourage you, my brother and my sister, to try your very best to listen out for God. Elijah in a cave, isolated and suicidal, had to learn that God wasn't in the earthquake. God wasn't in the fire, but God's voice was in the still small whisper. We've got to find the places through meditation or prayer or fellowship or silence to listen for God. For it is in that still small voice that we hear words of assurance, words of abiding love, words that inspire hope, words that stir up joy words that are alive and can bring the dead to life again when we get in position by trusting god by worshiping god by listening to and for god we may not have it all together we may not be perfect We may be in pain, but we are surrendered to one who can fill us. We are open mouthed to one who can feed us. We put ourselves in position to live fully. Howard Thurman says, ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do it. For what the world needs is people who are alive. Look and live. My brother live. Look to Jesus now and live. Look and live. My sister live. Look to Jesus now and live. Tis recorded In his word, hallelujah, it is only that you look and live, live fully.